0: Hey, so welcome back to the True North Podcast. This is Trey and Amy Dixon here. Hey, babe. Hey. Well, we are so excited to come back, and this is going to be part two of our marriage podcast. If you didn't hear our last one about agape and the meaning of life and how to choose love, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to that one uh, because it sets the foundation for everything that we're going to be sharing from this point on. But now want to jump into today and really talk about what the purpose of marriage really is. Why did God even design marriage? And so um, let's jump right into this because God is always wanting to work in you and out of you. And what I mean by that, in order for God to work um, generosity in you, he's got to work selfishness out of you. Or in order to work humility in you, he has to work pride out of you. And so God is always working in you and out of you. And uh, scripture kind of says it this way. It's the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And so that's really kind of what we're talking about. But this is where God can do, and I truly believe this, God can do more in you and out of you in marriage than he can anywhere else. Because no other relationship is as constant, as exposing, as intimate um, there's just no other relationship in our life that's paralleled to marriage. And so God can do a deeper work in us than he can in marriage anywhere else. And so babe, I'm just going to ask you real quick, because we've been married. Matter of fact, coming up here on, um, I gotta get this right. 28 years. <laughs> We're going to be having a, I was sitting there. I was like, Oh gosh, now I got to make sure I have this right. Our 28th wedding anniversary is going to be coming up here this year. It's a which long is, time. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, to think that cause I'm not that old, but, um, here's the thing. Has it always been easy?
1: Oh gosh, no, absolutely not. Yeah. We've, I mean, we've had struggles in our marriage. We've had really great times and we've had bad times, but I feel like we've grown so much together in the last 28 years that, you know, I wouldn't trade any of those, uh, struggles or, um, trade in the good times, the bad times, you know, we've, yeah. we've grown a lot.
0: So that is so good, um, because what you even just said right there, God can use the good and the bad. As a matter of fact, I would argue if we allow him, he is using the good and the bad to work in us. And so, Most definitely. And so for what purpose? And here's what I truly believe. You know, 28 years of marriage, uh, doing a lot of marriage counseling and marriage mentoring, and I believe it's this. What is the real purpose of marriage? Because the meaning of life, is to learn to love and to learn to be loved because god is love but the purpose of marriage is this the two shall become one the two shall become one and we know that in Genesis, in Genesis 2.24, says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to the wife, and they shall become one flesh. Or in some translations, the two shall become one flesh. And so we know that. We've heard that. There's a really good chance that when you took your marriage vows, you know, whoever officiated your wedding probably even quoted that scripture. It's kind of the go-to that two become one. We hear that. But do we truly grasp that? And do we, frankly, do we even believe it?
1: Yeah, what does that even really mean?
0: Exactly. What does, it even be, what does it even really mean? Now, I think in order to understand that, we have to understand that two becoming one is actually a key purpose in all of Scripture. And so in Galatians 3, 26 and 28, it says, "'For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith.'" For as many of you were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. And here's the key part. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so there's this key theme all through Scripture of two becoming one. And let me illustrate this even one more, kind of a last one here. In Ephesians five thirty and 32, It says, because we are members of his body of Christ, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And that is quoting back to Genesis that we read a second ago. This is Paul now in the New Testament. And then verse 32, he says this, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. And here's the key with this. Our marriages are a picture of our salvation with Christ. And just as marriage, and matter of fact, this marriage feast, if you will, in Genesis where Adam and Eve, the two shall become one flesh, and now Paul talks about it in Ephesians, that we become one with Christ. And our marriage is literally a picture of our salvation with Christ. Like, let that sink in. That your powerful. marriage, it's incredibly powerful. Our marriage is literally, and not only literally, It's the only single thing in all of Scripture that's compared like this. It's the only thing that is listed as a direct, profound mystery that it is a picture of our salvation with Christ. And so it is this picture of two becoming one. As we become one with Christ, we also are becoming one with each other in marriage. This is such a holy and such a deep and just profound uh, relationship. And let me even share one more. Marriage is the only single covenant that survived the Old Testament. Now hear that. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples and talking to the scribes and Pharisees, he was speaking about the law, and he said, I came to fulfill the law, okay? Not to abolish it. The law wasn't wrong. It wasn't bad. But he said, I came to fulfill it." it. means it's done, Jesus is the new law. He is our hope and our faith and our trust. He's our salvation. He is the law now. But yet this covenant of marriage survived. Why? Well, Ephesians 5 tells us, because it's a picture of our relationship with Christ, because it is two becoming one. Hmm. This is such a a deep spiritual implication that I don't think most of us truly grasp. Honestly, you and I did. not
1: Oh, absolutely not. Yeah.
0: I mean, let me ask you this. Has your, mar- has your view of marriage changed over the last 28 years?
1: Immensely. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I think most of us, and as a matter of fact, Amy and I doing a lot of marriage counseling and marriage mentoring, we've asked a lot of couples why they got married. And of course, we've heard everything under the sun, um, all kinds of reasons. But man, almost all of them begin selfishly and and that's okay. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily all bad. But if you think about why did you get married to your spouse? So often it's, well, they make me happy. They make me laugh. They make me want to be a better person. And even people that sometimes give the godly answer where they go, well, you know, she made me want to be closer to God. But what I want you to hear through all that, none, not that any of those are bad reasons, but they're all selfish. They're all about how this person made you feel. Even if the way he made you feel was good, even if the way they made you feel wanted to be closer to God, like I said, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong or bad, but we have to recognize it's often we go into it with a selfish motive. And at some point, God is asking us in marriage, can we lay that down just as Jesus laid his life down for us? Can we learn to lay that down for something that's holy and allow God to work in us?
1: Mm, And so
0: one of the things that we always say, everyone brings baggage into marriage, right? (laughs) Some people bring an overnight bag, some some people bring a U-Haul. And in Amy and I's marriage, sweet Amy brought the (laughs) overnight bag, I brought the U-Haul. I brought a couple of (laughs) U-Hauls. And so just having no idea, you know, really about what marriage and love was, um, mom's on marriage number three, dad's on marriage number four, 94% divorce rate and my family on both sides going up two generations. And so here's my U-Haul. I mean, I back it up and it's right, right, right. You know, here it comes. And so all of us bring that into marriage. The question is, what do we do with it? And how do we walk through it? And doing counseling today and working with couples, our goal for everyone is this. Our goal is to get you as spiritually, as emotionally, and as relationally healthy as possible. Okay? Did you hear that? To be as spiritually, as emotionally, and as relationally healthy as possible in that order, in that exact order, because relational health is only as healthy as your spiritual and emotional health is. And so if you're spiritually and emotionally unhealthy, and by the way, either one of you, Either one, either one, you cannot have a healthy marriage. You can't have a healthy relationship if either partner is not spiritually or emotionally healthy first, because marriage is nothing more than the sum of the two people that make it up. And so our marriage can only ever be as healthy as the unhealthiest partner in the marriage. That's so true. And and I, I'm hoping that that doesn't bust anyone's bubble out there. Um, and also with that, this is, does not give you the permission to point your finger at your partner. And look <laughs> Never at your, a good idea. That's right. Not a good idea. Look at your spouse and start blaming them and saying, this is why our marriage is messed up, because you're messed up. Okay, That is not what I'm giving you permission to do. But we do have to come to a realization, we're only going to be as relationally healthy as we are spiritually and emotionally healthy individually.
1: And the best thing is to take away that report card from one another. I know there was a time that I had to put aside how you were in our marriage and begin to focus on myself. Like I used to say, if you put both of our marital resumes next to each other, mine looked, it appeared to look so much better than what yours did. But God's goal with me wasn't to change you he was always after my heart and to change me and how I reacted and was present in our marriage.
0: Okay. So share about that a little bit, because there was about 15 years of our marriage that we weren't necessarily, well, we definitely were not relationally healthy, um, but it's because we weren't spiritually and emotionally healthy. And so share a little bit. How did you view our relationship before that? And how did you look at our marriage, say the first 15 years and then what began to change? Like, what was the change in our life, in our marriage?
1: Absolutely. You know, I knew we weren't relationally healthy. Spiritually, I thought, um, at least I thought I was okay. Um, and it was when you attended a True North base camp. And I began to watch you. Uh, honestly, in the beginning, um, I was waiting for the, the other shoe to drop. I was waiting because you came back such a different person. You came back wanting to lead our family in such a way that was honoring to God. And I just saw this, this immense spiritual change in you. And the more I began to just kind of watch you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God, it sparked a desire in me to have that same relationship. And so um, being able to go to changed and get healing in places and in... I honestly believe that you can't have that spiritual growth until you have the healing first in those areas that are so broken, whether it's from our marriages, whether it's from our childhood, whatever it is, we've got to have that healing to then be able to grow spiritually.
0: So how is that backwards from what we did for the first 15 years? Because we did some counseling. We, yeah. we you know, we attended marriage things. But what did they always focus on?
1: It was focused on the marriage. Yeah. We were fixing, we we did couples counseling, and so it was always working together trying to fix the marriage. But the marriage really wasn't, it was secondary. wasn't the primary issue. The primary issue was our walk with God, how we were focusing on each other and not focusing on our individual walk with Him. That was the game changer. That's when things began to change relationally.
0: That's exactly right. And that was until... I was able to get into a place to get spiritually and emotionally healthy, which by the way, didn't happen overnight. Um, it's not an overnight process. No. It wasn't a, you know, a switch that just got flipped, but there was a catalyst moment. There was a moment at base camp and what we do today, um, with true North that did begin to that healing journey and that healing process that was life changing. And frankly, without it, I don't neither one of us, I mean I think we'd both say we wouldn't we wouldn't be here today. We oh, absolutely definitely not. wouldn't be married today. Yeah. Because that brokenness, it affects your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> this is why it's so important for couples, if you're out there and you're struggling, it's so easy to look at your spouse and see their brokenness. It's so easy for you to look at them and go, here's what you're not doing right. Here's how you're not loving me well. Here's how, you know, you're messing this up. And whatever that may be, if it's, you know, in our relationship or our parenting or our finances or our sex life, whatever, all those areas that are relationally based that are important. And please, please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying those things don't matter. What, what we are saying and what Amy literally just said, it's secondary. Those things need to be addressed. They need to be worked on, but they're never going to be healthy until you are healthy individually first. And so you have to take your eyes off of your spouse, blaming them, looking at them. They're the problem, this or that. And you have to begin to put your eyes on you. And what can I work on? Where is the brokenness in my life? And by the way, every one of us have brokenness. Now to various degrees, um, but we all live in a broken world. We have a very real spiritual enemy that wants nothing less than to still kill, and destroy. We all live in a world with hurt and broken people and hurt people hurt people. And so none of us get through this life unscathed. Now, some of us, much more wounded, much more baggage, but none of us come into life and into marriage perfect. Um, we all have our own, our own issues and our own hurts. And so, like you said earlier, hun. You had an overnight bag and <laughs> I had the U-Haul. And I and I own that most of you, if you're listening to this, you probably heard our story. If not, we may actually share it on our next podcast and really spend some time and dig into our story. But I want you to share what did that look like for you? And I know you said kind of going to change. Um, but how did that what did that actually look like for you to begin to focus on you when my side of the street was so dirty, so to speak. I mean, um, I was unfaithful and a pornography addiction. I mean, all kinds of brokenness. But how did that begin to change when you started focusing on you?
1: There was actually so much freedom in that. Because for so long, I tried to play your Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. convicting you where I, it's so easy to see flaws in others. um, When we kind of skip over our own. And so when I began to truly go, I can't change you and nor do I want to change you. If there's things that need to be changed, that's something I really wanted God to work on you. And so when I began to go, okay, if I can't truly change you, but I can change me, what are the areas that God is trying to work things in and out of me? And there was really a lot of freedom there just to go, okay, it's not all in my control. I don't have to fix everything, but what I can fix is me. And like I said, there was there was legitimate freedom in that moment realizing that it was me, that there was areas I needed to change. And that was a good thing.
0: Mm. Man, that reminds me, the story, Jesus gave a parable, and I want to say it's in Matthew 13, but I could be off, don't quote me, but... Anyone listening, you'll know the story. Jesus gave the parable about you have a log in your eye and your brother has a speck in their eye. And essentially, don't look at the speck in his eye when you got a log in your eye, you hypocrite. The problem is most of us, we stop there. Like we hear that story, we, get, we hear that parable that Jesus is giving and we stop right there. The problem is not being a hypocrite was not the purpose of that parable. As a matter of fact, it's literally only halfway through. And if you go back and you read that again, at the end of hypocrite, there's an exclamation point. It was like, if we're going to put it in today's terms, Jesus would said, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log, log in your own eye. Duh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just this exaggerated like, duh. That's not, that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was therefore, right after he said, you don't be a hypocrite. He followed it up with this. Take the log out of your own eye so that you can help your brother even get the speck out of their eye. Mm. And what Jesus is really saying there is he doesn't want any of us to have a log or a speck. And that's the key. It's not about don't be a hypocrite. That's, I think, almost all of us know that. Now, there's some of you, you may need to hear that, okay? You may need to hear that. But for a lot of us, Somebody else has a, they've got a log in their eye. We don't even want to address the spec. Mm. We don't think we have to. We often think, well, they've got a log. I'm okay. I'm entitled to my spec. And Jesus is saying, no, I want both of them out. I want both of you to see clearly. I want each one of you to be as spiritually, as emotionally. Therefore, you can be relationally healthy as possible. And so to be able to take your eyes, like you said, take your eyes off the other spouse and put them on yourself, all that's going to do is bring healing to you and it's going to begin to transform your marriage. And all of us want the marriage that God intended for us. We do. We want to be loved. We want to have this environment, this, um, this relationship where we have someone to love and to be loved by them unconditionally. All of us want that. It's why we got married. That happens when we take our eyes off of our spouse and put them on us and say, God, what do I need to work on? Mm. And some of you may have a log. You may have 57,000 things that you need to work on and your spouse may have one. That's okay. For the spouse that has one, can you focus on that one? Can you look at that one and start there. And the beautiful thing in that, if we'll allow God to truly begin to work in us and out of us to allow us to become as spiritually and emotionally healthy as we can be, the relational health, it actually just begins to happen.
1: So true. It
0: happens. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to do some work and maybe need some counseling, read some books, watch some videos, listen to some podcasts, whatever it may be. But honestly, the relational health, that's actually the easy part. That's the easy part. The hard part is allowing Jesus to come in and heal you spiritually and emotionally. That's where the really hard work is, which kind of illustrates my last point. In God's economy, and specifically in marriage and family and all of that, there's a very clear order, and this is this is God's design, God's kind of hierarchy, if you will. And most of us as Christian people You know, good men, good women. There's this heart. We want to be good parents. We want to be a good mom. We want to be a good dad. Um, now not everyone, but most of us. We have that that we may not always do it right, but our heart is to be good, to be good mom and good dad. And here's what I want you to hear. In order for you to be, and I'm a matter of fact, I'm just gonna speak to the dads. Dads or husbands, this is gonna apply to you. Although moms realize the same thing applies to you. Just put in Mom or dad, husband or wife, or put in mom and put in wife, okay? But dads, in order for you to be a good father, and there's something in your heart you want to be, but in order for you to be a good father, you first have to be a good husband. Because your greatest admonition, your two greatest admonitions from God to be a father is this. One is to lead your kids to the Lord. Two is to show them what a God-honoring marriage looks like, because we're commanded to love our brides as Christ loves the church, as he loves us. And there is no other relationship in all of Scripture. We're commanded to love anyone else like Christ loves us. We're not actually even commanded to love our kids that way. Now, it's not a bad thing, and I would recommend loving your kids that way. But I hear it all the time where dads will say, man, I'm a great dad. I love my kids, but I don't know if I even love my wife. I don't know if I even really like her. We don't get along. We fight all these things. And guys, here's what I want you to hear. Until you're loving her as Christ loves the church, you're not being a good father either. You're not. And I'm not trying to come down on you, but what I want you to hear is what your kids need more than anything is they need to know what unconditional love looks like and how they see that more than anything is in marriage, in the family, mom and dad because they need to know and trust that there is a God that they cannot see, that they cannot touch, yet loves them unconditionally. And that's why we're commanded to love our brides as Christ loves the church. And so in order to be a good father, we have to first be a good husband. But it doesn't end there. In order to be a good husband, we have to first be a good son and a good son to our Heavenly Father. So good. It starts with having our spiritual and emotional health because we're following Christ. We're plugging into him. We're surrendering to him. We're allowing him to come in and heal our brokenness. That's how we begin to get healthy, and then that's how we become the, the husbands and the wives and eventually the mothers and the fathers that he's creating us to be. So, babe, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Me. And we uh, look forward to coming back next time and going even a little bit deeper into marriage. So thank you guys for listening today. God bless you. Check us out online, trueNorth.live. We'd love to see you at one of our camps, one of our events. And for ladies, there's things out there for you as well. Go to our website, true north.live. We have ministry partners and resources available for you too. Thank you once again. God bless you.